Let's pray together. Father, what a gift. What an unbelievable gift to be able to watch as people make the statement that they've crossed from death into life. As we get to celebrate people who have found a relationship with you. God, people who are broken and hurting and lost and confused, who found the fullness of life that is only found in Jesus. Gosh, what a gift. We are so grateful to be able to stand here and celebrate that you're changing our church and that you're changing our community, that you're changing our city and that you're changing us. And so God, we just ask you for more. We just want more people to come to know you. We want more people to experience your goodness. We want more people to know that you're what they have been searching for. And so God, as we spend some time opening up your word, I just pray that you would open your mouth, that you would speak to us. God, that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to believe. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Amazing. Well, if you're new, my name is Joey. I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, It's gonna be a fun day, but before we get started, quick commercial. Um, Last week was unbelievable. Last week was incredible. Um, At the end of the sermon, I gave an opportunity for people to respond and say yes to following Jesus. And so I said, hey, one, two, three, raise your hand if you follow Jesus. And throughout our two services, 32 people raised their hand to follow Jesus. Amazing, unbelievable. Now, here's the thing is I was caught off guard by it, okay? I'm like preaching the sermon and I'm feeling like, man, God is moving in big ways and I give this opportunity for people to respond. 32 hands go up and I'm so caught off guard that like I don't give them a next step. I'm just like, well, I hope it goes well. See ya, right? And, um, and so we don't wanna do that. Um, if you made a decision to follow Jesus last week, this is what we want for you to do. As at the end of our service today, we would love it if you would just grab a seat. A trained member from our team would love to come and have a conversation with you and tell you what your next step is. We don't wanna leave you to your own devices. Follow Jesus, good luck. We wanna help walk with you, teach you. Maybe your next step is baptism. Maybe you wanna learn how to study God's word. Maybe you wanna figure out how to get connected in the community. We wanna be able to do that. And so at the end of this service, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, just grab a seat and we'd love to help walk you on your next step in that journey. Uh, Today we start a new series or continue a conversation about this idea of the adventure of following Jesus. And here's what we wanna do is we wanna look at the lives of Jesus's 12 disciples and see what it would have been like from their perspective to follow Jesus. We wanna try to get in their skin, put ourselves in their shoes, or to be more historically accurate, their robes and Birkenstocks, and figure out what it would have been like to follow this guy around the ancient world. And so um, this is what we'll find quickly as we study the scriptures, is that Jesus didn't take these 12 Jewish boys on an itinerary-based mission trip with tie-dye t-shirts and a trip to the zoo. That's not what he did. He took them on an adventure. Now, by show of hands, how many of you would say that you're adventurous? You like traveling, you like hiking, you wear North Face? Okay, all right. That's me, right? I love adventure. I dig it. Now, how many of you, by show of hands, prefer a nap? Yeah, sometimes you're just like, I'd rather take a nap than go on an adventure. That's my wife, okay? And so before I lose too many of you with great outdoors, wild blue yonder adventure language, let me, let me prove to you that you actually want an adventure too. Even if it's not your natural disposition, it's actually your desire. 
When any of us are faced with the option of average or adventure, we choose adventure every time. This is the reason our desire, our design, our wiring for adventure is the reason that none of you would watch the TV show, The Office, if it wasn't hilarious, okay? And can we agree The Office is hilarious? Tons of humor, one of the greatest shows out there, but it's only, it's only something that you watch because it's funny. If it's not funny, it's just average and you're not interested. Nobody wants to watch a TV show about an average guy named Michael Scott who works at a paper company. Nobody wants to watch that. Do you know what that's called? A documentary. Do you know who watches those? Nerds, okay? And so nobody wants that, right? But do you know what you don't need humor to watch? Mission Impossible 17, okay? You don't need humor to watch Mission Impossible 17. You just watch it for the adventure or to see Tom Cruise shirtless, right? That's why you watch Mission Impossible 17 because there's something about us that's wired that's designed for adventure. And Jesus invites us on this adventure of following him. Now, here's the thing about adventure. Every great adventure usually starts with overcoming some obstacle or conquering some fear, right? Anytime there's an adventure, there's something out there that you've got to get over, that you've got to overcome, some fear that you're dealing with that you got to face for it to be a great adventure. So how many of you like roller coasters? By show of hands, how many? Yeah, I love roller coasters. Like that right there gets my heart pumping. I'm excited about it. How many of you prefer the teacups? Right, some people are like, roll goes, this is not my pace, I prefer the teacups. How many of you are afraid of both? Yeah, some of you, you're just afraid of both, right? No thanks, not interested. Um, I will never forget the first time that my brother and I went to Disney World and we rode the Tower of Terror, okay? The Tower of Terror is maybe the greatest ride in the history of the world. I love this thing. Now, my younger brother, Cody, is terrified of heights. I'm talking terrified. Like, homie gets scared walking up a hill, okay? He's scared of heights. And so our whole trip in Disney World, I want to ride Tower of Terror so bad that I can't see straight. But Cody keeps avoiding. He keeps trying to say, no, we're not going to ride it. Like, he fakes a stomach ache, gets sunburned on purpose, you know, like standing in line. And he's like, I got to pee, use the bathroom. We get out of line. Um, At one point, he's like, I'd rather go watch Cinderella on ice instead, right? Just puts his manhood on the table because he doesn't want to ride the Tower of Terror. So I want to ride it so bad that I throw a proposition his way. I I say, hey, bro, I'll make you a deal. I'll do your chores for a week if you'll ride the Tower of Terror with me. I was a salesman from a very early age. And so he um, turns out Cody is lazier than he was afraid. And so he agrees, right? And so we hop in line for the Tower of Terror and we wait, you know, a week and a half to make it to the front of the line. And the whole time that we're waiting, he's good, like not afraid, not nervous, or at least he's silent, right? If he is afraid, he's keeping it to himself. So we make it all the way through the line. We even get through that weird part where they like take you into the room and show you the video with the twilight zone, make it through all of that, and he's doing good until he gets strapped into the roller coaster. He goes ballistic. Cody loses his mind, has a panic attack, starts screaming, starts yelling, get me off of this. I don't want to ride it. And so the, uh, the ride operator looks at me, clearly being his older brother, and, and with, with like, hey, what do I do? And I say, hey, he's good. Go for it. <laughs> and so he drops us. And we are falling and Cody is screaming and yelling. He is cussing and praying simultaneously, right? Just the whole way down, it is chaos. There's some vomit. We make it, we finally make it to the bottom. Cody looks right at me and he goes, let's do that again. (laughs) 
And that's how it goes, isn't it? There tends to be this fear that we've got to conquer. There tends to be this thing that we've got to overcome to experience a great adventure. And this is what I know to be true, is that the adventure of following Jesus oftentimes is going to lead you through the very thing that you would otherwise avoid. The adventure of following Jesus is going to cause you to come face to face with some fears, face to face with some obstacles, face to face with some challenges that you would try to avoid, that you would try to distance yourself from. But it's only when you experience that fear, when you step into that fear, that you become who Jesus wants you to be. And so over in the book of John, Jesus takes his 12 disciples in John chapter four down a road that they have been taught to avoid their entire life. He takes these 12 Jewish men in robes and Birkenstocks down a road into a county that they have been taught to avoid since they were very, very little. And it is on this journey that they experience so much about the adventure of following Jesus. Watch what happens. John chapter four, verse one. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Now, if you were to look at a map, um, Jesus is in a city called Jerusalem in a country, in a county called Galilee, okay? And he's, he's journeying to a place called Galilee, right? And so it says that he had to pass through Samaria. Verse four is very interesting. He had to pass through Samaria. Now, if you were to look at a map, Galilee would be, or um, I'm sorry, Judea would be here, Samaria would be there, and then Galilee would be down here, right? And so to, to get from Judea to Galilee, the normal route, the direct route would cause you to pass through Samaria. Problem, Jews hate Samaritans. They hate them. Jews see Samaritans as these like half-breeds. They see them as less than. They see them as beneath them. You see, Jews and Samaritans came from the same heritage. However, Samaritans practiced a form of Judaism that looked so similar to the Jewish faith that it could be confused, but it was quite different. The Samaritans, they would marry people who weren't Jews. They, would, they, they actually moved the place of worship from the temple in Jerusalem to this other mountain, which was like high treason for an ancient Jew. And so Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jews don't talk with Samaritans. Jews don't play pick up basketball with Samaritans. Jews surely wouldn't share a meal with Samaritans. And so they've been taught to avoid these people their entire life. You see, the path from Judea to Galilee would be 70 miles. That would be the direct route through Samaria. But what the Jewish person would do, the average Jew, is they would take a much longer path. They would go down around the Jordan River, through the city of Jericho, avoid Samaria altogether to make it to Galilee. It would be a much longer, hazardous, hot, desert-filled journey that would take them almost twice the amount of time, some 130 miles just to avoid Samaria. And Jesus knew this was the tradition. Jesus knew that this was the practice. And so he didn't have to go through Samaria. The Jews proved that you could go around Samaria. Jesus wanted to go through Samaria. I would contend that it was his desire to go through Samaria because there is something that he wants these 12 Jewish boys to experience as they journey 
over the wrong side of the tracks, as they walk down a road that they have been taught to avoid into a people group that they have absolutely avoided their entire life. Jesus wants for them to go to this place. He wants them to get there. Jesus wants for them to experience the very thing that they have been trying to avoid their entire life. He chooses to take them right into the middle of this cultural, relational, religious war zone. And when they get there, it gets even worse. Watch what happens, verse five. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy Food And so here are these 12 disciples following Jesus down a road they've avoided their entire life. They're in a town that they've likely never been in and they approach Samaria. And as they're getting near Samaria, you've just got to imagine what the conversation would have been like. The text doesn't really tell us. And so I've just got this picture. I assume that they've walked this entire journey in silence. Some probably 35 miles at this point, not saying a word. Peter just walking behind him going, where are we going? So somebody looking at Peter, Peter, you better speak up, speak up and say something. He's going the wrong way. Bartholomew, he missed the sign. He missed the turn. God needs to send another sign, a dove, a rainbow, anything. Where are we going? We're going the wrong way. Somebody say something, speak up. And Jesus journeys into Samaria with these 12 Jewish boys behind them. And as he gets near Samaria, it goes from bad to worse because he comes to this well and he's tired and he sits down and he looks at his um, Jewish disciples and he says, hey guys, I'm tired. I'm I'm gonna grab a seat. How about you guys head into town and get us some lunch? We're all Christians here, so see if you can find a Chick-fil-A, right? (laughs) So they go into town. And like, you've almost got to imagine that it, it like, What was their reaction to that? Like at first, I'm sure they laughed. They're like, ha ha, funny Jesus. Like this is a joke, right? Like this whole thing is just a prank. Like somebody dared you to take us down this, you know, haunted path. Like this is all a joke. Very funny, Jesus, let's just go back home. And then they start to realize that Jesus is serious and surely they begin to plead with Jesus. Like, no, 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 Jesus, like, no, like really? We can't go into some, we can't go into town. Those are bad people. Those are wicked people. We can't be seen with those people. We can't be around those people. Jesus, listen, like when we passed Rome earlier, we passed the Little Caesars. Let's just go back there and get some lunch. Guys, the Rome Little Caesars joke is real funny. That's fun. Think of Rome, Little Caesars, hilarious. Playing that all week. And Jesus goes, no, I want a number one, hold the pickles. And he sends them into town to Samaria, and you've just got to imagine that as they're walking into this town, they're like, what have I gotten myself into? Like, I just think about the tension that these men must have faced as they walked through town looking for some lunch. This town that they've been taught to avoid, this town that they've been taught to distance themselves from, this town that they have thought was dirty, that people are not like us, don't look like us, don't act like us, don't talk like us, don't think like us. We don't belong here with these people. Jesus, what, what, what would that errand have been like? What would it have been like to try to go find some food in Samaria for these Jewish boys, for these people who they're in contention with? They don't like them. Samaritans don't like Jews. Jews don't like Samaritans. What, what would that journey have been like as they're walking up to somebody who they don't like having to ask for food, right? 
as they're walking up to a restaurant owner who knows that they're racist towards, who knows that they've got bigotry towards, who knows that they look down upon. What would that have been like? Hey, 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 we're, we're here, we're Jews. Can we, can we get some lunch? Nope, all out of lunch. They walk up to, you know, the Jewish Publix called Jublix and they're like, hey, can we, can we get a sandwich? Nope, out of sandwiches, out of sandwiches. They walk up to a restaurant. Hey, can we sit down, maybe grab some food, take it to go? Nope, closed for business, not welcome here. Could you think about the rejection that these men must have faced? Like how awkward would it have been? The tension, it was palpable. You could feel it. Every step they took, they they could hear the whispers of people talking about them. They could see the sideways glances as they're walking huddled in a crowd all together down the path of Samaria. What would that have been like? Like, I can only imagine that as Peter gets back, he's just complaining to Jesus. Jesus, why would you send us here? Like, like here's the crazy thing, is that Jesus wanted them to go through this. Jesus wanted them to experience this. He wanted them to experience these awkward conversations. He wanted to experience this tension. And Peter must have been like, Jesus, how rude. How rude, Jesus, I don't like these people. These are bad people. I wanna go back to where it's safe. I want my mommy, I want my blankie. Take us back to Jerusalem, Jesus. Take us back to where we belong, Jesus. I wanna be where the people are. I wanna see, wanna see them dancing. Right, this is what what they would have experienced. Why are we here? And Jesus wanted them to experience it. Jesus wanted to walk them right into the middle of the very thing that they've been trying to avoid. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do with you and me. So let me ask you, what's the thing that you've been avoiding? What's the thing that you've been sidestepping? What's the thing that you've been trying to distance yourself from? Is it a conversation, a hard conversation? Is it a person who's different than you? Is it a specific place? Is it a political ideology? Is it some difficulty in your marriage? Is it some flaw in your parenting? Is it somebody who sees the world through a different set of lenses than you and so you do everything you can to sidestep and to avoid and to distance yourself? What is the thing that you've been trying to avoid? The adventure of following Jesus is gonna walk you right through it. Jesus wants you to encounter what you've been avoiding so that he can grow you into who you're becoming. You see, Jesus doesn't do it just because he's mean and because he's rude. He does it because he loves you and he knows it's the only way that you'll grow. You know how you won't grow if you do nothing, if you stay the same, if you stay complacent? We know this in the physical, right? Like if all you do all day long is hang out on your Tempur-Pedic mattress, prop your feet up on your therapeutic pillow, have a fan and a dehumidifier blowing on you, eat a tray of Twinkies and watch Ellen DeGeneres, what happens? You deteriorate, right? You, you, it's not like this big reveal. You grow into a giant. No, like you, you deteriorate. You become unhealthy, immobile. You're not gonna get stronger, not gonna get better. Growth requires effort. It requires uncomfortable. It requires tension. We know this, that lifting out, lifting weights, I clearly don't do it very often because I can't even say it. Working out, lifting weights, It involves tension, it involves difficulty, it involves struggle, it involves hard things because this is the way that we grow. 
Jesus wants to take you to the place that you never go. He wants you to encounter the thing that you've been trying to avoid. He wants to walk you down difficult roads and difficult paths into difficult situations because otherwise you're not gonna grow. And so Jesus takes his 12 disciples down the road that they would otherwise avoid and they come smack dab in the middle face to face with all of their prejudices, with all of their racism, with all of their biases, with all of their baggage, with all of their pet peeves, with all of their rules, with all of their religiosity, they're face to face with it, they see it. And so what is it for you? What is the thing that you're trying to avoid? I don't know what that light's trying to avoid, but clearly he's got some baggage he needs to talk to the Lord about. It's no coincidence, you know, that topics keep coming up that you wish you could avoid. It's no coincidence that it comes up in every conversation and in every movie and in every song. It's no coincidence that you're wrestling with maybe materialism or stuffism and that every red light you stop out there just so happens to be a homeless person right there. Just a coincidence, it's no, it's no coincidence. That is Jesus leading you through the thing that you wish you could avoid. And he's doing it for your good. He's doing it to grow you and to shape you and to mature you into the person that he knows he wants you to become. And so Jesus begins to have this conversation with this woman at this well, which is so interesting. Watch what happens. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water. And so Jesus begins to have this conversation with this woman who, how shall we say, is a desperate housewife, okay? This woman has had four, five husbands and the person that she's living with now is just the living boyfriend, okay? So this is a promiscuous woman. This is a scandalous woman. This is a woman who's got a checkered past. This is a woman who's been around the block a time or two. And so Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, isn't to be associating with a Samaritan, much less a woman, much less a scandalous woman. And Jesus begins to talk to this woman uh, about water. And so like this woman, she's here at this well to draw water in the middle of the day because most reputable women would have come to draw water in the cool of the morning. You see, most reputable women, they would wake up early before the sun was out, before it was beating down on them to draw water for their family. Now, this woman is here at the sixth hour, that's 12 o'clock in the afternoon, in the middle of the day, and she's there because she doesn't wanna be seen by the people who would judge her. She doesn't wanna to have to deal with her shame. She's trying to avoid her guilt. She's trying to avoid her baggage. She's trying to avoid having to have that encounter where she gets the sideways look and the comments happen under her breath. She's avoiding tennis practice. She's avoiding the checkout line at school. 
She's avoiding open house. She's avoiding the clubhouse. She's avoiding it because she doesn't want to have to be where reputable women are. And so you can almost imagine as she's walking up to the well and she sees Jesus' silhouette out over the horizon, she begins to think to herself, what is he doing here? What is he doing There's supposed to be no one here. I planned out my day. It was calculated. I worked this system. I'm not supposed to have to deal with this. I'm not supposed to have to talk to anybody. I'm supposed to just be able to stay in my safe, comfortable, predictable life and not have to deal with how I feel, but there he is. And Jesus and this woman have this intersection, have this conversation, they have this encounter and they begin to talk about water. Interesting, isn't it? That this woman who is dirty, this woman who feels guilty, this woman who wants so badly to be made clean, all she wants is a new star. All she wants is something, someone, anything that can satisfy, that can make her feel alive, that can make her feel human, that can make her feel worthy, that can make her feel beautiful, that can make her feel like she's enough. Jesus begins to talk to her about water about water, about a living water that can heal and refresh and cleanse her soul, about water that can erase her shady past and give her satisfaction, water to the parched land of her soul that's available, the same water that's available to you and me. Jesus begins to talk to her about water, and it's so interesting because what this woman does is she pivots. She changes the conversation. She changes direction, and she begins to debate with Jesus about all of these religious nuances. She begins to go, hey, listen, you're telling me about water, but listen, like Jews, y'all think that we worship over here and we Samaritans, we think like we worship on this mountain and there's this thing about spirit and there's this thing about truth and like, like she pivots, she avoids, she changes direction, changes the conversation and isn't this exactly what we do too? The thing that we've been trying to avoid, it gets brought up, it gets talked about, it gets addressed, it gets discussed and pivot, change move the conversation, talk about anything else, how's the weather, right? It's probably happened in service today. You've probably experienced it, that God brought to mind something in your life that you've been avoiding. You know that there's a person, there's a conversation, there's a conviction, there's an ideology that you've been holding on to, that you've been trying to distance yourself from, that Jesus wants to walk you in the middle of. You've, you've addressed it, it's come to the surface, but, but this is what you did. Instead of saying, yeah, I'm gonna follow Jesus in the middle of it, you went, that dude's wearing blue jeans. He yells a lot, "Ah, I can't listen to him. I know I should address that thing I've been trying to avoid, but his jokes aren't funny. The music was too loud earlier. What was up with that guy in tattoos, right? Like there's all these things that we begin to bring up so that we can avoid, so that we don't have to deal with the reality that there are things in our life that Jesus wants to walk us right in the middle of. This is what this woman does. She tries to pivot. She tries to make it about this other thing, this other ambiguous theological conversation that is so detached from the conversation that Jesus actually wants to have about your soul. And so this is what the woman does. She just, she chooses to chalk up the conversation She says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So check it out. This woman, she goes, let's just agree to disagree. 
you worship there, I worship here, you talk about water. Like, let's just agree to disagree. Let's just go our separate ways. Let's just avoid this altogether. You stay over there, I'll stay over here. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to be in circles. We don't have to like each other. Let's just agree to disagree. You'll think like that. I'll think like this. You believe what you want. I'll believe what I want. And when the Messiah comes, when the Savior of the world shows up, when it's all said and done, we'll figure out who's right. Let's just agree to disagree, Jesus. One day, the Savior of the world, he'll show up on the scene and he'll make it clear to us. So for now, let's just avoid. Let's just remain how we are and who we are. Think the way that we think. And Jesus looks right at this woman who is waiting on the Messiah, who's waiting on the Savior of the world. And he says, I who speak to you am he. And the only time in the gospel of John that Jesus says he is the Messiah is in the middle of the day to a Samaritan scandalous woman at a well. The only time that he lets people know who he is is to this woman right here. Could you imagine the significance of this moment. Could you imagine the impact that as this woman was trying to avoid her guilt, trying to avoid her shame, trying to avoid her background and her checkered past that Jesus encounters her and brings her the very thing that she desperately needs. The drama gets better. Right at this moment, something happens. Watch the text. I love this. It's like it's from a movie. Just then his disciples come back. Just then, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So, so think about this, hold this in your mind. Only time in the book of John that Jesus says he is the Messiah is in the middle of the day to a Samaritan woman at a well. She has just found out that this man is everything she's been searching for her entire life. That he is her one shot at being clean, her one shot at being whole, her one shot at being satisfied. That she, that she has just encountered the savior of the world. And just then the disciples walk back. Right at that moment. And as they're walking up, they're walking in silence. They see Jesus look, talking to this Samaritan woman and they don't say anything. They think it is what the text says. They don't say, why is he talking to her? And what is she do? And what are they doing? And what's happening there? And that's not a lie. They don't say any of that, but surely their faces show it, right? They're walking, oh, what is happening? I don't know, what is Jesus? Is that even a lie? And they walk up and this woman sees their faces and their faces give them away. You see, this, this woman, she's in love with Jesus, struck by Jesus, but she looks up and she sees the faces of the disciples and it terrifies her. Do you know how I know? Because watch what happens next. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. So this woman, perplexed by Jesus, in love with Jesus, overwhelmed by Jesus, looks up, sees the faces of 12 racists. She leaves her one possession, her one jar. She came to the well for what? Water. What is she leaving without? Water. She leaves her jar because she's so stunned, so shocked, so afraid, in love with Jesus, but terrified of his followers. And so she leaves her jar and runs back into town. And if I'm Jesus, I fire the disciples right there. Like I fire them. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just sent you guys on a field trip into Samaria to get me a Chick-fil-A sandwich to see that you're supposed to love Samaritans 
You come back to find me, and the first Samaritan that you see, you scare off, you're fired. Turn in your two weeks. It's over. Go back to fishing. That would be my response. How could she look up and see the face of these men? But, but that is not the response of Jesus. You see, when Jesus leads us into the thing that we're trying to avoid, no matter how deep it is, we're always, always met with unconditional love. When Jesus leads you into the thing that you're trying to avoid, no matter how scary, no matter how fearful, no matter how difficult, no matter how much you don't want to go there, no matter how much it's going to cost you, no matter how awkward it gets, no matter how many times you blow it, you're going to be met with unconditional love. He see, the disciples see the unconditional love of Jesus towards the Samaritan woman, and they experience it towards themselves as he continually invites them in, and they get to be a part of one of the greatest miracles in the Bible in the very next chapter. Because when we follow Jesus where we would otherwise avoid it, it's always met with unconditional love. This is what God wants for you. He wants to expand your heart. He wants to expand your love. And the way that he's going to expand your understanding of his love for you is by showing you how much he loves other people. Showing you how he loves people who are different than you loves people who don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't think like you, don't act like you. This is the way that you're gonna understand the extraordinary love of God, the unconditional love of God towards you. It's the way that you're gonna grow. I don't know about you, but this is the brand of Jesus following that I want. There's an adventure of following Jesus that's available to us that goes far beyond just sitting in chairs and singing songs. An adventure of following Jesus where we step out beyond our cozy, comfortable, predictable Christian lives and follow Jesus wherever he leads. There's a new way to think. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna think the same way about God in three years as I think about him today. I don't wanna think about people the same way. I don't wanna think about love the same way. I don't wanna be the same kind of husband I don't wanna be the same kind of father. I don't wanna be the same kind of friend. I wanna know that there's more, more love, more grace, more experience, more of God to experience. I wanna know that Jesus isn't done growing me. I wanna know that these barriers in my life could be overcome, don't you? Don't you wanna know that that racism that you think is just normal because you grew up with it could be eradicated? Don't you want to know that there is a brand of relationship that is bigger than your partisan policies, bigger than your partisan politics? Like I'm here to tell you this morning that if you submit to a brand of politics that is never shaken by the person of Jesus, you're not following closely enough. It's radically convenient if all of your political convictions perfectly align with your faith. They shouldn't. There should be times where there's rubs times where there's tensions, times where you find yourself in conversations with people who have different color skin than you, who come from a different past than you, who value things differently than you, who see society differently than you, and you feel uncomfortable, you feel awkward, you feel like, I don't know if I'm even allowed here. Can I even associate with these people? Do you know what that means if you're in that place? It means you're following Jesus. He was called a drunkard. And a sinner, a friend of sinners, because he's often walking down the places that comfortable Christians avoid. 
He's walking into conversations. He's walking into territories. He's walking into relationships. He's walking into people. He's walking into socioeconomic classes. He's walking into areas of town that we would turn the cold shoulder against and just try to avoid, just try to isolate ourselves from to stay comfy and safe and cool. But Jesus wants to lead us to what we would otherwise avoid to grow us into who he knows we can become. That's what he wants for us. And I've got to imagine that you want a Jesus following that's like that. You've got to want a Jesus following that's more than just going through the motions, that's more than just showing up week after week that moves beyond just a church on Sunday. Like if you've got a brand of Jesus following where your friends are surprised to learn that you're a church-going Christian, you're not following closely enough. If you're never confronted with something that you believe and you start to go, I don't believe that anymore. I don't think that anymore. I don't talk like that anymore. I don't live like that anymore. I don't treat people like that anymore. I don't see that issue like that anymore. And you're not following closely enough, but today I want for you to know that the adventure, the invitation to that adventure is open if you would just follow. And what you're gonna find in that experience as you begin to experience Jesus, it's going to undoubtedly change your expression of love. As you experience the adventure of following Jesus through the things that you would otherwise avoid, it's gonna start to change your expression of love. It's gonna start to change how you treat people. It's gonna start to change how you think about others. It's gonna start to change how you think about politics. It's gonna start to change how you think about money. It's gonna start to change how you think about time. It's gonna start to change how you think about forgiveness. It's gonna start to change how you think about bitterness. It's gonna start to change how you think about the places in your life that you've been trying to isolate yourself from. And you're gonna experience this love for people that's uncontrollable, that's uncontainable, that's revolutionary, and that's what you were created for. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I know to be true is that, man, the thing that Jesus ultimately wants to lead us to that we've been trying to avoid is a conversation about our sin conversation about the reality that many of us are far from God, not in a relationship with God, that we've rebelled against God, turned our back on God, distanced ourselves from him. But that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to deal with the very thing that we've been trying to avoid, that on the cross, he died so that we could be in a relationship with God. And if you're here this morning and you want to leave behind the known and step into following Jesus down the roads that you've avoided, I just invite you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I wanna follow you. I wanna give my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose again from the dead and I give my life to follow you wherever you lead. If you pray that prayer, we just wanna mark this moment that your journey is beginning. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna count to three and just as a step of courage, as a step of boldness, as a step of confidence, as a step of I'm saying yes to the journey, I'm embracing what I've avoided, I'm just gonna invite you to raise your hand saying I said yes to Jesus today. One, two, three, hands up in the air, amen. Yeah, I see you all over the room, praise God, all over the room, keep them up, praise God, amen. Unbelievable, all over the room. Okay, you can put your hands down, I just encourage you, Man, after the service today, grab a seat, talk to a trained member of our care team, have a conversation about what's next. How do I keep on this journey? How do I make this just not an emotional experience and begin this journey of following Jesus? And for the rest of us, what have we been avoiding? 
What have we been turning away from? God, I just pray that you would give us courage, give us boldness to walk where we have, where we have avoided, to follow you where we have tried so hard to distance ourselves from and that we experience the transforming love of what it means to follow Jesus. I ask it in your beautiful name and all God's people said, amen.